Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season three. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. Episode 10, Amends. Christmas episode so much. <laughs> if there's one thing you need to know about me, it's that I love Christmas and I love episodes relating to the holidays. It's always good. What I love about this is you and I are from snowy, wintry Canada. Mm-hmm. So for us, Christmas is usually a white Christmas and, and we're used to snowfall. So for the majority of this episode, watching them walk around a very summery looking Sunnydale... <laughs> And with all like the Christmas, like the Christmas decorations just look so sad because yeah. there's no snow. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the the Christmas miracle at the end with the snowfall, which is a pivotal part of the whole episode. It, it doesn't really have the same oomph for me as it would for listeners in warmer parts of the world, because I'm just like, yeah, it's snowing at Christmas. So what? <laughs> So what we're saying so is we're going to be really snobby about the snow we see in this episode. <laughs> uh, just as a fun fact, everybody, um, you know, it, back in What's My Line Part 1, we talked about the skating. And like, I like, you know, we're, we're Canadian, sure, we know about skating, but like I also figure skated for a long time. Never in my life have I gotten so much pushback on TikTok for <laughs> for critiquing Buffy's figure skating. Wow. I know. So did, I, did, you, did you intercept skate talk? Like... <laughs> Skate talk came for me. Uh, no, no, no. I think it's just, you know, hey, we have our strengths as Canadians and winter is one of them. So, yeah, we're going to have a lot to say about the snow in this episode. Uh, I'm going to have a lot to say about my boy Angel in this episode. You and I talked about it a bit earlier, but I thought it was time for an Angel-centric episode. I want... I, it's hard because I feel like this episode, it's, it's like the beginning of angel's actual storyline do you know what i mean like he he had a thing going on season one and two obviously a huge arc there but here is the very beginning of why is he here and what is he going to do with his time yeah so i have to ask before we get into the episode stephanie because this is the one question that was on my mind as i watched the flashback scenes (laughs) angel with the mustache is that doing it for you Sadly, <laughs> mustaches have never really done it for me, unless you are Richard from Friends. It, yeah, it, he's not pulling it off. I actually had a question when we get there, but like, can vampires grow facial hair? This is this is an inconsistency have, in the show. I have show. a question in response to that question. So <laughs> when we get there, let's talk let's about it. Let's get about it but, yeah, uh, when we get there. I just, I just needed to know, because the moment I saw that mustache on him, I'm like... Does that make him more or less sexy in Steph's eyes? It didn't help. Also, he had vamp face on when it was happening. So I was like, mm, this isn't doing it for me. Oh, see, I thought the vamp face was always a turn on. I'm sorry. It's not not a turn on. 
but you add a little Ostachy on there and it's, it's just not for me. Uh, but yeah, we should get into the episode because it's all here for me. We got Angel and Buffy sex scene. We've got shirtless Angel multiple times and more importantly, the melodrama. I'm here for the melodrama. We all know this. Oh, what a great episode. Let's get into it. We start off with a recap with a with a previously on Buffy, which in my Disney Plus watching, that hasn't happened for a lot of season three yet. I, I didn't get that on my DVD rip. Oh, you got ripped off because it told a glorious story of Angel losing his soul after having sex with Buffy, Willow curing him, he being sent to hell, and now he's back. But why? Right? And what does this mean? So we open the episode in Dublin, 1838. It's Christmas time, and carolers are singing Silent Night on the street, and it's nice and snowy, and a man is running for his life through the dark streets, and he's pulled into an alleyway where Angel the Vampire is standing over him, and he's saying he's hungry, Daniel, and he's got that terrible Irish accent back. (laughs) (laughs) I think what happened is that Daniel owes him money, or he says he's in debt, like he's in debt to the angel. So yeah, here's the first time we see that that mustache. And uh, let's just get it out of the way. I don't think it looks good. But more importantly, I just didn't know that vampires could grow facial hair. I know like sometimes Angel's hair is long, sometimes it's not. So clearly that hair grows. But like how can vampires shave if they can't see their reflection in the mirror? So like... that That's an excellent question. Very carefully, I would assume. <laughs> With care. Um, well, yeah, it, it is inconsistent. And, and I, I can't talk about that without going into some spoilers for the Angel series. But you're right. The whole fi- can they grow facial hair is inconsistent. Maybe they have control over it. Yeah. Or <laughs> maybe it's it's related to how much they drink, right? So, like, Ooh. if they're not drinking a lot of blood, if they're starving, like, you know, when Angel was on, on the streets of wherever he was new york before he found buffy new york yeah yeah Yeah. so like you know in that condition because he's not drinking that much blood since blood is the what gives vampires their animate life force maybe the more blood they drink the more like alive they feel Mm. and if they're not drinking that much blood then they're less alive if that Mm. makes sense that's a good theory i like that a lot actually well we're going to see the mustache again, so let the mustache conversation continue throughout this episode. <laughs> but uh, basically, uh, Angel is sneering at this guy. He's saying that uh, a man who plays cards should have a natural intelligence or a great deal of money, and you're lacking both. So he says he takes his winnings his own way. Daniel starts to pray, and Angel says, be of good cheer. It's Christmas. And he bites him. And as he's biting him, Angel in the present day naked angel fully naked in my head he might just be shirtless he wakes up from a dream it's like he was dreaming that and he's out of breath which is very curious because he doesn't breathe and he's shook so the next scene is angel wandering the streets of sunnydale and as you said earlier cara it's christmas time right but there's no snow it's just there's lots of like christmas cheer and santa stuff and everything's decorated for christmas and but we see a weatherman on tv in a store window and he's saying that it's sunny throughout the holiday weekend temperatures are going to be in the high 70s so of course angel runs straight into buffy who's carrying a gift and they're being really weird with each other because it's it's not like they broke up 
right? Like they didn't really like break up, but they're not seeing each other. Well, yeah, they weren't really together. It's also weird because how often is Angel out in public like that? Yeah. And of course he would run right into Buffy, who is of course his destiny, which we learned about in The Wish. (laughs) But um, Buffy has baby bangs. Uh, That's also weird. And I just want to bring that up. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, hairstyle experimentation going on in this episode. So again, question, like, what do we think of Buffy's bangs? I don't Terrible. Just terrible. This is a trend in the 90s that uh, hopefully will never, ever come back. But I remember Courtney Cox had a <laughs> very similar hairstyle. So it must have been really trendy I, at the time. I, just, I feel like they make Sarah Michelle Gellar look closer to her age, right? And, you know, I, the whole episode, I'm looking at this and I'm like, you don't look like a teenage girl. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think, hey, you can have bangs and they can be sophisticated bangs, but like baby bangs? Baby bangs are never going to look good on anybody, Mm. young or old. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. I'm so sorry for anyone out there who has baby bangs right now. (laughs) They're they're, they're cutting them off right now, Stephanie. That's how much they value our opinion. (laughs) My recommendation would just be to grow them out a little bit you know like half like at least to your eyebrows and that's my that's my hair advice from stephanie so buffy is like are you shopping oh i guess you're probably not shopping i guess vampires probably aren't that big into christmas (laughs) like she's babbling because she's nervous she wasn't expecting to run into him and angel is looking really spooked and he's like i couldn't sleep And he's like, are you good? I'm all right. Are you good? And she says, she's just getting Christmas gifts. And while she's talking to him, Angel looks up and he sees Daniel, the guy that he murdered back in 1838, standing on the street, almost like a ghost or an apparition. So he looks really spooked and Buffy notices and she just says like, what's wrong? And that's when we cut to credits. Ooh. So the next day at school, Buffy is talking to Willow and Xander in the hallway about her encounter with Angel the night before and saying that it was weird. And Xander says, Angel, weird? What are the odds? <laughs> and Willow says, you know, maybe you should tell Giles. And Buffy says she doesn't want to tell, she doesn't want to bug Giles with this because he's still kind of twitchy when it comes to the subject of Angel. And Xander is saying, It must be the whole angel killing his girlfriend and torturing him thing. Giles is pretty petty when it comes to stuff like that. And interestingly enough, like we're used to Xander saying snide remarks like this about Angel, but Buffy shuts him up, right? She says that's enough from him. Yeah, I I really liked Buffy's reaction in this because it's not like she doesn't blow up at him, which I think is good. But finally, we're seeing, you know, other characters in the show call out Xander for his behavior. That's all I want. That's all we want. And like we're like, yeah, shut up, Xander. And once again, what bothers me about Xander saying these things about Angel, like in every time that he's confronted Buffy about Angel from season two to now, he has a point, right? Like, yeah, Angel's a dangerous guy. He's a loose cannon. And he always brings up Jenny. He brings up Jenny to cover up the fact that he's actually jealous of Angel. And I just think if they really wanted to push how badly Angel hurt this group of friends by killing Jenny, then this sort of concern should be coming from Willow or Giles. Because Willow had a relationship with Jenny too over computers. They worked really closely together. And then she took over for her when she died. And Giles was her lover, right? So I just think Xander being the champion of Jenny is a weird, weird choice. Agreed. Yeah, so... Willow says that Angel has the holiday blues and everybody gets them, especially when you're alone. And Buffy is trying to do the right thing and stay away from him and get over him. But then boom, 
there he is. And what she really wants is just a quiet Christmas vacation. So she's just going to be chilling with her mom. And Buffy says they're going to be eating roast beast, which is a Grinch reference. And that's my favorite Christmas movie. So I wanted to bring that up. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> Do you cheer for the Grinch, Stephanie? Hell yeah! Steal that roast beef. Take all those light bulbs. <laughs> you do you. Um, she asks what they're doing for Christmas. And Willow reminds us numerous times in this episode that she's Jewish. She celebrates Hanukkah. Now, not everyone worships Santa, says Willow. <laughs> I, lo- I, I love that line. I love the re- reminder that she's Jewish, right? And you know, I think the episode does a good job in the sense of like, at this point in TV history, sometimes you'd have like the really obvious multicultural tv episodes where you'd have like one character who's jewish and one african-american character who's (laughs) celebrating kwanzaa and one Mm -hmm. character who's you know celebrating christmas and despite the fact that even if all of these holidays are taking place at roughly the same time hanukkah is not the the jewish equivalent of christmas right like it's a very different holiday Mm -hmm. even if there is gift giving and stuff and I like that this show is just reminding us that Willow is Jewish without trying to drop in a whole bunch of characters from all these different cultures, all these different traditions. I also want to add just a shout out to (laughs) our Jewish listeners where our society is so focused on our days off coinciding with Christian holidays, right? So we get, you know, a a lot of schools give two weeks off around Christmas, um, a lot of schools have breaks around Easter, right? And it's like, you know, if you're Jewish, like Willow, there's so many significant holidays where having days off would be beneficial from work or from school, and you don't get those things. And so, you know, here is a, a, a reminder, right, that uh, we should all be a little bit more aware of other cultures' holidays and when coworkers or people we manage or students need time off or extra leeway with their deadlines or whatnot because they're celebrating a culturally important day, Mm -hmm. uh, we should be aware of that because our society is still a little bit too focused on Christian holidays that we've somehow made secular. Hear, hear. And I personally cannot wait for the Buffy episode where they celebrate Chinese New Year. Uh, That's going to be a really important one for us. Two things on that, too. First off, I, I personally really love that we're doing the Christmas episode, and I, I'm pretty sure this is like one of the only ones, if not the only Christmas episode the show ever does. I love that it falls in December for us on this podcast. <laughs> it worked out great that way. <laughs> yeah, we obviously sat down and we're like, the Christmas episode clearly needs to be in December. But like, seriously, <laughs> it just worked out that way. I love it. I'm obsessed. But my other point is the fact that Willow is bringing up that she's Jewish so often in this episode It makes sense because, you know, the show does not spend a lot of time talking about Willow being Jewish at all or any Mm -hmm. of the religions, you know, that are happening in the show. Dare I say it's erasure? Like they don't, they just don't bring it up. Um, And I remember actually in Welcome to the Hellmouth or one of our very first episodes, you told me that Willow was Jewish. And I was like, oh yeah, because it it just never occurred to me because they never really address it. So there it is. So Willow is saying that um, Oz and her had plans for for the holidays, but she guesses that's off. So the three of them go to sit in the student lounge, and Cordy's sitting there with another girl. And Xander sees her, looks really, really uncomfortable, and he 
breaks the silence by just saying he's having his annual Christmas Eve camp out. He takes his sleeping bag outside and he sleeps on the grass. He likes to look at the stars and take in the whole nature vibe. And Cordelia gets up and she decides to say, I thought you slept outside to avoid your family's drunken Christmas fights. And Xander says, well, that was a confidence I was hoping you would share with everyone, you know? And I want to stop here. There's so so much to say about this episode, but we need to stop here because... It's just so interesting. We've only gotten peeks at Xander's home life before, and you and I address them when we see them, mm-hmm. right? He's got like a taxidermist uncle, and he's mentioned that his family, we assume that his family is lower class, and his mom orders a lot of takeout. And one time his, he called his mom, his mom didn't even know who it was. Like there's a lot of little hints that we've gotten that he doesn't have a great home life. But here's an actual reference that he would rather spend Christmas Eve outside alone than in a house with his family, who fight a lot. I think this is a really interesting bit of trauma for Xander and character development for Xander that we need to explore, but the show plays it off for laughs, right? Like, they play it off with this with this Cordelia yeah. joke. Yeah, so shout out to Lexi, who sent us a hot steak specifically for this episode about Xander sleeping outside, and they actually say, you know, the fact that he willingly sleeps outside and in a sleeping bag indicates that the conflict, be it verbal or physical in nature, is extreme enough that he doesn't feel entirely safe or comfortable in his own home. Uh, This is especially true when it starts snowing, which happens later in the episode, uh, and he merely turns over and goes back to sleep. So I agree. I think this is a significant moment where we're learning more about Xander's character and this is the first time we actually see it. So up until this point, we've just heard about it. You, you know, oh, he, one of his uncles works as a cleaner at this factory and s- such things, right? So mm-hmm. we've heard these hints as to his family's background and status. This is the first time the show will actually show us later in the episode. Oh, he's he's not joking. Like, he, he wasn't just saying that for laughs. He's literally sleeping outside in his sleeping bag. And I think that's... Yeah, like that's significant. And and it will be interesting to see, does the show explore this further in this season? Hmm. Or will they continue just dropping hints here and there season after season? Like, I don't know, where is this going? Yeah, because even here, like he says it, and again, it's played off for laughs, and we're not seeing him being super vulnerable about it. So clearly this is not his episode to explore that part of him. But we've had so many people, especially near the beginning, reaching out to us about the Xander slander and saying it's not fair because he was abused and like all these things. And we're like, okay, but we haven't seen that in the show yet. Just wait till we get there. Well, it's like middle season three and we're still not really getting there. Also, trauma and mental health issues do not excuse being an asshole. No. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing too. It's like, okay, you're introducing this dynamic to his character now in season three, perhaps to show more about Xander's character or to give him a little bit more sympathy because it's it's needed for him after all this time. But you cannot be a human bag of garbage for 95% of the show up until now for me to care that much. So it's like, yeah, okay, I'm getting more about Xander. The sympathy is like, you know, it's, it's around. <laughs> but I'm not ready to give it to him yet because I've 
disliked so much well, of what he's done. We we can be sympathetic towards Xander when he deserves our sympathy, like in this situation, mm-hmm. while also calling him out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And we will continue doing that. The slander doesn't end, but at least we have more window into his life, right? And why he has to be so funny all the time, why he's got such an edge to him. So... Cordelia says she's going to be in Aspen skiing with actual snow. Good for her. And uh, it must be a drag to be stuck here in Sunnydale. But I'm thinking of you. Okay, I'm done. And then she leaves. So I like this because I think Cordelia, like Xander cheated on her, right? So she doesn't need to be nice to them. Oh, well, to Xander. And that's Cordelia's way of acknowledging, like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Bye. Like, she doesn't have to be that nice, but that that's her attempt anyway. And uh, Buffy says she's reverting to form. And Willow again agrees. It's not her fault. You know, after what happened, we got to cut her some slack. Forgiveness is a big theme with her this year, with Willow this year, because of the dot, dot, dot. And that's when Oz comes over. And Xander looks really awkward again, as he should. And Oz just says, hey. And Willow says, hey. And then we cut to them in a classroom talking to each other. And Oz is saying is explaining his feelings to Willow. And he's like, you know, seeing you with Xander was, well, I've never really felt that way before and when there wasn't a full moon, but I know you guys have history. And Willow is saying it's history that's in the past. And <laughs> even though all history is in the past, <laughs> but she says it's over. And Oz says, I don't know that it ever will be over between you two. And I interjected my thoughts here because I was like, you, you think so? Because it seems like they haven't even entertained the idea of being together after they had an affair. So you guys broke up and then the affair was over and that was it. Well, there was the whole touching in the bronze moment. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I see what you mean. And, and I agree. And it's interesting to me how that has played out. So it's like, is the magic gone because it's not secret anymore? Like, was that what was driving this? Ugh, I hope not. But yeah, I think you're right. And like Oz says, I do know this. I miss you like every second. It's like I lost an arm or worse, a torso. So I think I'd be willing to give it a shot. <laughs> she's so sweet, this little angel boy. And Willow's, Will stands up and she's like, really? And Oz stands up and he's like, yeah. She says, can we hug now? And Oz is like, yeah, I'm good for that. And they hug. And you can see on Oz's face how happy holding her makes him. This is just such a precious conversation. Like, look (sighs) at these two teenagers have an actual conversation about their relationship issues and and recognizing that they can't just put a Band-Aid over it and say, okay, it's all good. We're good now. But they're taking a tentative step forward. And this is, it's just, it's healthy and... It's good, and I just want to bask in this moment. <laughs> just take it in. But I'm going to take your moment, Kara, and I'm going to ask you a question with it. And I'm going to ask you, oh, dear. do you think it's too soon? Like, do you think getting back together right now is a good idea? Well, I, I don't know that they're going to get back together. I think what they're doing is proper, which is they're acknowledging there is an issue. They can't just put it behind them right away as much as Willow wants to. But they're also saying we are willing to explore being together right Mm -hmm. and nothing is official it's still all up in the air maybe they do end up ending things but it's not a foregone conclusion and i think that for me that's the brilliance of this scene is it acknowledges the uncertainty of the moment whereas so much 
of our TV understanding of relationships is it's always black and white. They're together. They're not together. They're in love. They're not in love. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, this is complicated. And they're handling it really well, especially for people who are so young. You know, this is Willow's first serious relationship. And she's doing a really good job. Last episode, she was very... She wasn't giving Oz enough space, so it seems very clear, like, okay, she's given him space. He came to her. Mm-hmm. They've reached a point where they can talk about it. Yes. And what happens remains to be seen. I agree with that. I think Willow has taken the necessary steps, and she listened to Oz, and those are the first little pieces of trust that are making him come back to her now. I personally think it's a little bit, st- it's still a little bit too soon. But you know what? What's Christmas without a little rekindling of love, you know? I also just really wish that her and Xander have not discussed what they've done yet. You know, will we ever get a discussion between the two of them? I don't think we will. But we haven't actually gotten to the root of why Rulo cheated on Oz. So we cut to Buffy and Joyce, who are at the Christmas tree market. (laughs) I remember earlier the TV said that it was going to be really hot. Well, everyone's wearing jackets in this episode. Like it's a Christmas episode. I get it. You got y'all got to wear jackets, but it's supposed to be hot out. It's it's California. So Joyce is asking Buffy to invite Faith to spend Christmas Eve with them because Joyce has more than enough blunts to share and wants Faith to partake. And (laughs) Buffy says that Faith and her don't hang out or talk or make eye contact lately because remember, they had a fight back in Revelations. And Joyce says, do you really want her to spend Christmas Eve all by herself in that dingy little motel room? And Buffy says, okay, I'll ask her. And what about Giles? And Joyce is like, no. (laughs) Giles does not want to spend Christmas Eve with a bunch of girls. And then she's like, let's split up because remember, Joyce and Giles had P and V. They had sex. And Joyce is avoiding. Yeah, I think it's really cute how Joyce responds to Buffy's suggestion. She's like, totally deflecting. And it's like, oh, okay, so things are awkward. (laughs) Oh, okay, so the guys haven't talked about it yet, eh? Um, Buffy wanders over to an area of the Christmas tree area market where all the Christmas trees are dead. And the Christmas tree farmer, (laughs) that's what I call them, he says that they died on him and they're not sure and he's not sure why. We know why. It's because underneath there's a cave and there's a bunch of uh, men with stitches over their eyes chanting. And cut to Angel waking up for the second time this episode, naked in bed, shirtless, having a bad dream about these stitch eye men. Faith is trying to get her TV to work in her motel room, and Buffy comes in. And Faith is like, what's going on? Scary monsters. And Buffy says, no, we're actually having a Christmas Eve dinner at my house. And I thought, if you didn't have any plans. And Faith is like, your mom sent you down. And Buffy said, no. (laughs) And Faith says, well, there's a party that she's invited to. And it should be a blast. So she can't make it. And Buffy's like, okay, clearly realizing that Faith is lying here. And she's like, well, if you change your mind, the offer stands. As she goes to leave, she looks around and she sees that Faith put Christmas lights up all over the room. And she says, I like the lights. And Faith is just like, yep, tis the season or whatever that means. So interesting, like, you know, (laughs) reforming a bond here. Yeah, again, it's an awkward interaction. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's nice to see Faith and Buffy together again. We haven't seen that for episodes now it's also nice to see the progression of season three already like a lot has happened in the last 10 episodes and this episode is calling back to a lot of them right so i think that's really cool 
we cut to Giles' house and Giles is cooking. And I'll just add that his top button is undone and he looks really cute. So and much thirst in this episode. This is an angel-centric episode. Like I came ready for the, I came quenched. No, no, what's the word? Parched? I came, par- yeah, I came parched. <laughs> so Angel's at the door. Oh my God. Angel came to see Giles and Giles is shook. And this is the first time they've seen each other since... Giles learned that Angel came back, right? Like, this is the first time they're face-to-face since Angel tortured him, basically. Awkward. So Angel's like, sorry to bother you. (laughs) And Giles laughs, and he says, coming from you, that phrase strikes me as rather funny. And Angel says, I really need your help, and he understands he has no right to ask for it, but there's no one else. And Giles is like, all right. And he leaves to the kitchen, and Angel is like, "Uh, I can't come in unless you invite me. And Giles is like, oh, I'm aware of that. And he comes back out and he has a crossbow to protect himself. So (laughs) he invites Angel in. And I just want to marvel at this scene for one second, because I already mentioned this is the first time they're seeing each other since, I'm pretty sure since Angel tortured him. But the last time Mm -hmm. that Angel was inside Giles' house, it was to place Jenny's body on his bed to find. And we just need to think about that for a second, because... Oh my god. He also drew her and left roses and wine out and champagne or whatever. Anthony Stewart Head is having to process this whole thing in this scene, this very small scene, just in his reactions and his facial movements and his gestures. There's just there's this really heavy mm-hmm. scene. Like, oh, I wouldn't even know how to how to approach it if I were acting in it. Or if I was one of these characters, like, oh, I gotta go ask this guy for help, but like I did a lot of fucked up shit to him, you know? Well, it goes back to what Buffy and Willow were talking about, where Buffy's like, oh, you know, Angel's really, like, struggling right now. And Willow's like, should we ask Giles? Because that's what they've done up until this point, right? Giles is the authority. And Buffy's like, no, you know, I don't think that'd be wise. Well, here we have Angel (laughs) swallowing his pride. And as you said, going to this person, it's very awkward. But he's doing exactly what Buffy doesn't want to do. And I think that hammers home how serious the situation is. Mm -hmm. Angel would not be doing this if he had any other choice. So true. And that's why when Angel comes in, he automatically starts telling Giles what's up. He's like, I've been seeing things. Uh, I've had dreams lately about the past. And it's like I'm living it over again. And it's so vivid. I need to know why I'm here. And Giles says, back on Earth. And Angel says, I should be in a demon dimension, suffering an eternity of torture. And Giles is, you know, he doesn't argue that. (laughs) And Angel (laughs) says, but I'm not. I was freed. And I don't understand why. And I really like his choice of the word freed, right? I was was given a pass. And now I'm Mm -hmm. back on Earth. Giles said, would knowing why you were back give you peace of mind and angel says it might and as giles starts to say that you know is that something you ought to have because to be blunt sir last time you became complacent about your existence it turned out rather badly but while he's talking jenny calendar jenny calendar who died in passion season two is standing behind giles touching his arm and angel sees her and he's freaking out and he says don't you see her and giles is looking around the room and he's like who and then literally angel literally can't and he leaves (laughs) so oh my god jenny so we go from there to the mansion where angel is in bed again Uh, there's quite a lot of angel being in bed which i'm sure 
again, you must have enjoyed these moments. Best episode ever. <laughs> um, and we have another, like, dream or flashback. As this episode goes on, the line blurs because it, it gets to the point where he's, like, awake and having conversations with his hallucinations, but then also, like, flicking into the flashbacks. And it's like he's losing himself into these memories of sorts mm -hmm. so this time he's at some kind of party it's like a christmas party he's in london and there's a maid so a maid servant of some kind who's working at the party she just wants to do her job and of course angel has cornered her he's harassing her and she's ba basically you know trying to escape his attention and he's being very unctuous and he's saying things like oh, you know, we'll be very quiet and nobody will notice. And he, he's obviously wanting a sexual favor from her. And she's protesting and saying things like, I have a son, you know, I'm going to lose this job. And he's like, not, not if you don't make noise, not if you don't scream, you know, nobody's going to believe you. Um, very much like, like this is probably behavior that somebody who isn't a vampire w would do uh, at this point in, in, in history as well as, for the present day but it's just a thousand times worse because it's angel in vamp face with a mustache <laughs> the mustache um i'll also say that this scene probably inspired the song baby it's cold outside <laughs> they probably oh, wrote hmm. it for this maid <laughs> uh, uh, the mustache so, though yeah <laughs> so eventually the woman again protests and she's like but i have a son and he's like oh well, he's going to make a fine dessert. And he bites this woman and, and he feeds off of you her, fiend. which I think shows, right? Yeah, like these flashbacks are all flashbacks that really showcase the depth to which Angelus does not care, right? He's in the middle of a party and he's feeding off of somebody. He's not being subtle. He's not being super secretive. And, and I think that's part of what this episode says about Angel is he wasn't a vampire who lurked in the shadows um, and was afraid of humanity. He was a vampire who was a predator and saw humanity as his food source. And, and I think that's really what these kinds of scenes are, are showing us. Yeah. So, well, I mean, Angel bites her. And as he, he bites her very briefly, but she still dies. And he looks up and Buffy Buffy Summers, the vampire slayer, is standing there watching him do this. And she's inside his dream. And they both snap. They both wake up at the same time and look very concerned because they're both very aware that they both just saw that. <laughs> so Angel is getting changed and putting a shirt on. Boo! Christmas is canceled. And he sees Jenny standing out in the mansion. And he says, you're not here. And she says, I'm always here. And he says, leave me alone. She says, I can't. You won't let me. And Angel asks, what do you want? And she says, I want to die in a bed surrounded by fat grandchildren. But I guess that's off the menu. And Angel says, sorry. And, and she's <laughs> like, don't bother. I'm dead. I'm over it. If you want to feel sorry for someone, you should feel sorry for yourself. But I guess you already got that covered. Angel is like on the ground and he's like, I'm sorry for what I've done. What else can I say to you? And Jenny touches him and says, uh, I don't want to make you feel bad. And that's when she morphs into Daniel, the young man from the beginning. And he says, I just want to show you what you are. 
we cut to Giles in his office and Buffy's there and she's saying that she was in Angel's dream and that there were things in this dream that she couldn't possibly know and that's how she knows it was real. Mm. It was Angel's past and somehow she got sucked in and there's something wrong with him. And Giles says, yeah, I know, I've seen him. <laughs> and he wants to know why he's back. <laughs> like, whoa, Giles, like, you know, hide the lead. Giles says, I can look into it. And Buffy's like, let me look too. And Giles looks really concerned as in like he doesn't want her getting involved. And she says, I'm not seeing him anymore. I'm trying to put all this behind me and I'm not going to be able to as long as we keep doing guest spots in each other's dreams. So we'll help him. And Giles says, yes. So I think I just, I love that Buffy, because Buffy is appearing in Angel's dreams or vice versa, and she's dreaming Mm -hmm. about him basically, it's a sign that she's meant to help him because we know that Buffy's dreams often mean something yeah it's like the whole prophecy thing exactly so she's meant to help him see the light in a lot of ways or help him figure this out this goes back to my theory right i floated this at the beginning of the season that buffy's dreams of angel or angel being in her dreams was the actual angel who was being tortured in hell and they were like in each other's dreams and i thought that oh you know so angel was in her dream (laughs) and now she's in angel's dream yeah I have something so profound in my mind to say about that later. Uh, But yeah, absolutely. And it just, I mean, these two characters, like they're intertwined no matter what. Like they're intertwined destiny wise. They're intertwined Mm -hmm. physically sometimes. Like it's just like, they go hand in hand in a lot of ways. And her being part of this now solidifies that. So Xander comes out of nowhere because he was dropping some eaves behind the door, I guess. And he says, so where do we start? And I was like, what? What is this? What's going on? And Xander says, I'm aware I haven't been the mostest best friend to you when it comes to the whole angel thing. And I don't know, maybe I finally got the Hanukkah spirit. And Giles says, we start with research. He gives Buffy and Xander books. And Buffy asks Xander if this is how he wants to spend his Christmas vacation. Xander says um, it's actually the most exciting thing he's ha- he has planned. Who else can claim that pathetic a social life? And Willow comes in just then and says, hey, guys, what are we doing? So this <laughs> is really interesting. And like, I'll say it. I'll say it. Xander did not annoy me in this episode, except for the very beginning. <laughs> <gasps> wow. OK, you heard it. You heard it here first, people. Okay. I mean, he admitted that he, he admitted he hasn't been a good friend. He hasn't admitted shit. I mean, he still hasn't said sorry for anything. But this is, I mean, maybe it is a Christmas miracle, a Hanukkah miracle that he's like, I'm going to help. I'm going to be useful. I'm going to be supportive. Like, who is this guy? I am on board with that interpretation. (laughs) So cut to a montage. You and I love a good montage car. This, like I said, this episode has it all. It has it all. So we get a little research montage of them studying, researching, whiteboarding, eating pizza, We take a second to talk about Willow because Willow is telling Buffy that Oz is coming over on Christmas Eve because her parents are out of town. Because remember, because I think a lot of people would be like, why would Willow be left home alone on Christmas Eve? Willow's Jewish. She told us many times this episode. So her parents, they're not celebrating Christmas. They're probably off on a vacation somewhere. So Willow and him are going to watch movies together. And Buffy says, you guys are back. That's great. And Willow says, it's perfect in an awkward, uncomfortable sort of way. I don't know how to make Oz trust me. And Buffy says, Xander has a piece of you that Oz can't touch. Ooh, and I didn't like this <sighs> reference so Willow, much. Willow, Willow, Willow. <laughs> the phrase, make Oz trust me. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. can't make somebody trust you. Like they do or they don't, and they choose to trust you on their own accord. And Willow hasn't learned that lesson yet. Yeah. And also, we need to think about Buffy saying, a piece of you that Oz can't touch, and where her mind goes to from there. But Buffy says, I, I now it's all about showing Oz that he comes first. And I think that's really good advice, right? It's like, if you want him to trust you again, you need to show him. And maybe not in the way that Willow comes up with. Just like when Buffy says you need to be aggressive with Oz back in phases and she goes to his house and freaks out on him. <laughs> um, but I think Buffy gave pretty good advice here. And... Buffy is getting frustrated because they're not getting any closer with their research. And that's when we cut to Angel, who's just fallen all around the mansion in pain, in in emotional pain, as this rando man in a suit is saying how he found his dead children in bed because Angel killed them and placed them there for him to find before killing him. And I was like, brutal. But what's interesting about this is that the man is a modern man. He's not like Daniel or this maid right? He's like wearing a suit from the nineties. Mm. So clearly Angel killed him when he was Angelus last season at some point. Yeah. While he was busy drawing Buffy and killing Willow's fish, he was off murdering this random man's family. So he's, this guy's so evil. Oh my God. And I just think that's so like, there's a lot, they're saying so much here by not saying anything at all. Just like that little story and that's it. And mm-hmm. the man morphs back into the maid and says that that's what makes you different from other beasts they kill to feed you took more kinds of pleasure in it than any creature that walks or crawls and like we've known this for a while since season two when we talked about you know humanity and how some vampires have it and some don't if we are to believe the blue judge (laughs) which we you and i are not really inclined to but yeah like angel loves murdering people (laughs) And you brought it up before in Angel on Trial that like, you know, psychopaths come in all shapes and forms and Angel just might be one, you know? And when he has a soul, he's just kept in check. He's like, I don't want to be this way. So he goes out of his way not to be that mm. way. <laughs> but clearly he like he likes it. He likes to do well, it. And, and so the question at this point, right, is what the fuck is happening to Angel? Because, you know, we've got the first victim and then the maid and then in a moment this hallucination turns into like so what's happening is angel breaking down is this all in his head is this connected to the priests that we saw with the the no eyes like this is something i am enjoying about the episode is for anybody who hasn't watched it before Mm -hmm. this is a mystery and we we see buffy and willow and xander and giles trying to solve the mystery while angel progressively deteriorates as the episode goes on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Angel starts to defend himself and he says, it wasn't me. And and the maid had morphed into Daniel and now it's Jenny again. And Jenny says, it wasn't you. And Angel says, a demon isn't a man. I was a man once. And Jenny says, oh yeah, what a man you were. And we, <laughs> I love this. We get a little shot to Angel when he was a man. And we know that his name was Liam when he was a human, but I don't think they've ever actually revealed that on the show yet but um angel is just like wasted and watching girls dance on tables and he's falling over drunk and we come back and the maid calls him a drunken whoring layabout and a terrible disappointment to your parents and angel says i was young i never had a chance and the maid says to die of syphilis you were a worthless human being and 
Angel's just like, stop it. And he's like having a meltdown. And Jenny grabs him and says, I don't want to hurt you, Angel, but you have to understand cruelty is the only thing you have had a true talent in. And Angel says, that's not true. It's not true, Jenny. Angel's other talents are sketching. Uh, He's really good at giving half-baked information. And he's a handsome. And he can shave without his reflection. So... (laughs) Speak for yourself. He's really a man of many talents. (laughs) Many talents. And like one can assume that he's really good in bed. (laughs) Well, I'll just have to ask Drusilla. Down girl. Okay, sorry. Yes, I got distracted. Jenny tells him to rest. And he does. He goes and lies down on the table. Not his bed. Not shirtless, I'll add. Just on the table. Is it even possible for him to rest with his shirt on? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, these are questions we'll never get the answers to. So Jenny says, uh, you mistake it for a curse, Angel, but it's not. It's your destiny. I'll show you. And Angel's lulled into sleep. And we cut to the library where um, Xander is yawning in Giles' office. Will's asleep in a chair. Giles is still researching. And Buffy is asleep up in the stacks. Or is she? (laughs) Okay, pause here for a second, though, because you notice when they scanned through the library that Giles has put up decorations for himself. And there's a stocking that says Mr. Giles. <laughs> so cute. Did Giles get himself a... Giles got high one night with Joyce and just they crafted. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, so it's sex dream time. And Buffy and Angel are having sex together in her bedroom and they slowly declothe and then they they just they do it and as you said earlier Kara, this is where i was going to bring up that they share dreams like it's like they are actually having sex with each other but they're in a dream form but it's real just like when you said like when he visited her when he was in hell was that Mm. him hell yeah it was him they're connected in this way mind and soul so Good for them. This is the second time they've had sex. It's in a dream world in limbo. Good for them. That is until the Stitch Eye guy is standing behind them, ruins the vibe. (laughs) And um, Angel vamps out and then bites Buffy, assumingly right after they're done coitus. So they both wake up. Jenny says to Angel, if you want her, take her. Take what you want. Pour all that frustration and all that guilt into her and you'll be free. And Angel's just like, no. <laughs> and Jenny says, you can't live for eternity with all that pain. This is what you are. And this is why I brought you back. Ooh, I brought you back. eh? Uh, she says, take her and then you'll be ready to kill her. So what I want to say, though, because what Jenny is saying here is you are to have sex with Buffy again, lose your soul and then kill her. I don't I don't know if I agree. With no, that. that's what that's what I'm getting because we get the sex. She showed no, him the sex I dream. think. I mean, we still don't know at this point in the episode what the Jenny hallucination is, Mm -hmm. but I think what it's doing is it's trying to push Angel to kill Buffy and feed on her with his soul. Like, I don't think it's trying to engineer him losing his soul again. I think it's like trying to push him to be evil, even though he still has his soul. With the soul. Which is worse. Interesting. Okay, well, that makes more sense because I was like, yeah, sure. Like, Angel achieved true happiness after him and Buffy had sex for the first time. Fine. But we've established, you and I have established, that it's not the orgasm that makes him lose his soul. So, like, this evil is playing on hard mode, right? Like, it's easy to make Angel lose his soul 
uh, and become Angelus again. And then, of course, he's going to be evil. Like, yeah. that's the very nature. It's hard to convince an ensouled vampire to give in to that hunger. And we've heard Angel talk about how the hunger is still there, raging beneath his soul all the time, right? Like, he has to hold it in check. So this evil is not satisfied with taking the, the loophole of the true <laughs> happiness, breaking the curse. Yeah. This evil's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do the hard thing. I'm going to do this the hard way. I'm going to make Angel with a soul turn evil. Wow. How cool would that be? What an evil plan this, this, this thing is doing here. The master could never... <laughs> So, okay, so so Buffy's w woken up too bad, but she's woken up and she's in the library and Giles is showing her letters that he found that contain references to an ancient power known as the first, not knowing that Buffy just woke up from her sex dream with Angel. Buffy asks what the first is and Giles says it's evil, first evil, older than man, than demons. It could have had the power to bring Angel back. And the Stitch Eye guys are on these letters and Buffy says that's what was in her dream. And she says she fell asleep up there. And Giles is like, oh, you had another dream with Angel? What happened? And Buffy's like, oh, let's not get sidetracked. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Definitely not coitus. <laughs> so she says, who are these guys? And, and Giles calls them bringers or harbingers. They're high priests of the first. They conjure spirit manifestations and set them on people, influence them and haunt them. And Buffy says, these are the guys that are working the mojo on Angel. And Xander comes out of nowhere. is like, we have to stop them. <laughs> oh, this is weird. He's, 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 what is going on? I mean, I like that Xander's being helpful, but it's not enough, you know? So Giles says, <laughs> you can't fight the first Buffy. It's not a physical being. And Buffy says she can fight these other guys. And Xander says, if you can find them. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So we cut to Willie's bar. We haven't seen Willie in a long time. I know. It's really nice. Like, this episode's just kind of, like, giving us a chance to catch up with some of these characters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I like how Willie, like, so they come in. And, like, the very first thing Willie does is, like, he's like, oh, it's the Slayer. And he's, like, being really, like, loud and <laughs> obvious um, <laughs> as if he's, like, warding away his customers. Yeah. <laughs> and remember, like, up until recently, Buffy's identity as the Slayer has been not public knowledge. So, of course, now I think most of the creatures know that the Slayer is this tiny blonde teenage girl. Um, but it's, it's, it's just, it's just funny, right. To like see these, these monsters just sort of react in this way to this otherwise unthreatening looking person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they all leave like two vampires get up and just leave. Um, and I think that's interesting too, cause like maybe Buffy's power and, um, reputation in Sunnydale is getting larger yeah. that people like, I mean, she came back from the dead. Like how, she, she stopped Angelus, mm -hmm. you know, she chased Spike out of town mm -hmm. Uh, she's killed a couple of sewer demons, some penis snake demons. Like, yeah, she's getting a badass rep. That's a good point. Um, and I, I guess she, she's leaning on that right now because she comes in and she's like, have you been, Willie? And Willie's like, oh, I'm keeping out of trouble. God is my witness. <laughs> right? And I, I have to say, I really like the character of Willie because 
he feels like he's out of some kind of movie, right? Like he doesn't belong. No, in not in the Buffy verse. But it's too, it's interesting too that like do Buffy just forgive him for betraying her in What's My Line Part Two. Remember, he just like yeah, he just like sold her out. That's his character, right? <laughs> yeah. it, it, yes, she expected that. What else do you expect? He's the um he's amoral right like mm-hmm. he doesn't he's not good he's not evil he's just there mm-hmm. and he's gonna broker information for both sides so he asks he's like what can i do for you a couple of drinks haha ha, they're not drinking age mm-hmm. um and xander oh xander oh xander xander tries to come across as very suave and intimidating and he says <laughs> I need a double shot of information, pal. <laughs> of information, pal. <laughs> yeah. This is a good joke. I liked this and scene for him. Yeah. I like how Buffy looks at him. <laughs> and then she looks back at Willie and she's like, there's three priests. They call themselves the bringers, the harbingers. Uh, they have no eyes. <laughs> and Willie's like, oh, it doesn't ring a bell. And so Xander says, how about I ring that bell for you? It's like, like Xander, did you like grab a book from the library of like how to intimidate people because <laughs> it's like it's almost like pickup lines in a way right he's just like going through this list. cliche very cliche yeah <laughs> and then my favorite line of the whole episode buffy says maybe you shouldn't help <laughs> and this is my favorite line and there's a couple of lines that come later that compete with it but it's like as she said that i'm like yes yes that is, that is what we should say to you to xander all the time <laughs> every day <laughs> yeah so good so um she pursues her line of questioning xander falls back thankfully mm-hmm. she talks about how the, you know the priests are summoning up the spirit of the first evil and whatnot and uh willie says oh oh yeah those eyeless priests yeah like of course i think i've heard something about that <laughs> uh and he talks about how a lot of the supernatural inhabitants of sunnydale have been leaving as if something's been scaring them off and i want to point something out here this isn't necessarily just the first doing it. Like, sure, like maybe the first is part of this, but this whole season we've seen the mayor preparing for something big, mm-hmm. right? He's got a plan and it's coming to fruition this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if Willie saying that is actually the writers laying the groundwork of like, there's something bigger going on here. Yes, the first is, is part of what's going on in this episode, but it's like they're reminding us because we haven't seen the mayor in a few episodes. They're reminding us that something is going down in Sunnydale and apparently it's causing bad vibes. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, and we haven't seen the mayor. No, we saw him very briefly in Lover's Walk, but we didn't see him in mm-hmm. The Wish. So yeah, like um, we, we can't forget that there's a bigger presence here. So Buffy says, you know, thanks. Thanks for the info. And they turn around to leave. <laughs> Willie's like, oh, you did great, kid. I felt very intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> and Sandra says thank you. And Willie says Merry Christmas, and they leave. <laughs> and they they exit this dive bar into like bright daylight. And so I'm just so there were vampires in there earlier, and I'm just like, did they leave through the sewers? Like, why are there vampires drinking in the daylight? Yeah, they went through like the back room, which probably leads to the sewers. I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, but it just it looks so. Like all the Christmas decorations are on the buildings and stuff, and I'm just like, this is not Christmas. So time dire, so about. dire. But here's what's funny. So, so 
you know, they're like, oh, good. So they're underground. But Buffy points out that there's 14 million miles of sewer underneath the city. And Xander brings up that there's, you know, natural cave formations and a gateway to hell. So yeah, there, it doesn't really help them to know that it's underground. And I was like, but Buffy in Band Candy, you knew exactly where that where the babies were going to be sacrificed in the sewers. You're just like, it's in the sewers. And you knew exactly where to go. So, <laughs> so I feel like you should do the same thing here. Anyway, Xander gives her some moral support and is just like, let's just like, we'll catch these guys sooner or later. Let's just like have Christmas, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, he touches her shoulder. I'm like, ugh, don't touch her. But okay, Xander, good scene for you. <laughs> Ooh, this scene, we cut to Oz and he's entering Willow's house with movies and he finds her sitting on a couch with a peachy red velvet dress on and the fireplace is going and she's put pop on ice (laughs) kind of like you know a wine bottle would be on ice except it's uh (laughs) they're underage and um barry white is playing in the background and oz is super confused and he like sits with her and he says you ever have that dream where you're in a play and you don't know your lines or the plot Funny enough, Willow does know exactly that. Because remember in Nightmares, she was thrown on stage and didn't know the lyrics to the song? Yes. <laughs> Willow says, we're alone, you know, together. And I just wanted it to be special. <laughs> and bless Oz's heart. He's like, how special we talking? <laughs> and Willow says, well, we're alone. Like she emphasizes again, we're alone. Because, you know, in teenage world, when your parents aren't home, yeah, that's a really important space of time if you want to get nasty together. So Willow's saying we're both mature, younger people. And and so we could, I'm ready with you. Like we could do that thing. (laughs) She can't even say, let's have sex. It's so awkward. (laughs) And the music, the music does not help. It's so funny that they play that song. (laughs) I I understand that it's a a cliche in TV shows and movies, right? In the 90s, yeah. The music that you lose your virginity to. And it's like, (laughs) Willow, this is the worst possible music to lose your virginity to. My darling, to. <laughs> I can't get enough of your love, babe. Okay, I ask our listeners to let us know what song you would have chosen for Willow and Oz to have sex for the first time, too. I don't think Barry White's the right choice either. Uh, it could have been one of Oz's songs from his own band. Ooh, ooh, that feels a little like... That feels a little too... Yeah, a little, no. A little too egotistical for Oz. Uh, but he doesn't... This right? is the thing. This is where this... So yeah, there's a lot going on here. And Oz stands up and Willow asks, what he's, where are you going? And he's like, it's nothing. It's just a dramatic gesture. Because sometimes Oz does dramatic gestures. We've seen this before. And he says, that's really special. And Willow stands up too and she says, Oz, I want to be with you first. And Oz is like, we should sit down again. And I really love the the way this scene is shot and the way the actors have chosen, you know, up and down and beside each other. And like the way Oz comes in is just really, really cute. Mm-hmm. And it works really, really well. And Willow tells Oz, I'm ready. And Oz says, well, don't take this the wrong way but I'm not. And Willow says, are you scared? Because I thought you had already. And Oz says, oh, I have, but this is different. You look great and you got Barry working for you and it's all good. But when it happens, I want it to be because we both need it to for the same reason. And you don't have to prove anything to me. And Willow says, I just wanted you to know. And Oz says, I got the message. And they kiss. And this is a great and powerful and wonderful scene for a show like this on a network that it was premiering on. And Mm -hmm. this is because 
boys can also not be ready to have sex. I know we talk a lot about in the show how, like, Xander, for example, super horny and sexual and says inappropriate things and seems to just want to get laid all the time. Um, or any of the other jock like guys that we've met. But Oz is showing us through this scene that he also thinks that sex is a huge step in a relationship, just as, you know, your typical teenage girl might think that. And he's saying he's not ready. And I love this for Oz, and I love this for Oz and Willow as they, you know, embark on this brand new relationship together after what happened. And it's just it's just really lovely that Oz, who facially doesn't show us a lot, right? He's out of all the characters in in the Scoobies, mm-hmm. he gives us the least amount of emotional reaction. But in a lot of ways, inwardly, he is the most emotionally expressive. You know, like he's the one that's always sharing what he's feeling. Well, and he's mature. Right. Like he has the maturity to say, I'm not ready. Um, And he also he doesn't call out Willow because honestly, I don't think Willow's ready either. Like this is clearly she's feeling guilty and she thinks this is how she can like trick Oz into trusting her again. And good for Oz for recognizing that. Well, he recognizes it. Right. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't throw it in her face. He doesn't say, oh, I don't think you're ready because that would have caused more of a fight. And it's not fair for him to tell her how she feels Mm -hmm. so even if he thinks that way if he thinks she's feeling not ready um he doesn't call her on it he's just saying this is how i feel and i think that's a very mature way of approaching it yeah i i I don't want to give this scene too much credit because what oz is doing here is baseline decent human behavior and (laughs) men should not get cookies for being baseline decent but I, I think you made a really good point, Steph, that I maybe didn't consider when I was watching the scene, which is for a TV show in this era, this scene is a big deal. It shouldn't be remarkable. These scenes should be normal. They're a little bit more normal these days. Mm-hmm. But in this time, this was a very progressive and I think a very significant thing. you know. And we had a, a question several episodes back about like how do other male viewers of the show see uh you know what are they learning from this and we we had one of our our male listeners uh writing in and asking about that and i i would kind of ask like are there any male listeners who were watching the show when they were younger like did you see oz as a potential role model in this Mm -hmm. way right because he's modeling some very good behavior here and this is consistent behavior because remember uh even back in innocence when willow's like make out with me and he was like yo that's on the empty yes. side right like, and, so and this again is the same. she was yeah she was doing that because she was jealous yeah and she she was nervous about her relationship not progressing the way she wanted so this is a pattern for willow and and i think you know we need to keep an eye on her. <laughs> well, we've been keeping an eye on her this since then. <laughs> but uh, good for Oz for recognizing this in Willow and calling her out consistently and constantly, but in a nice, gentle way, right? To say, like, this isn't actually what you want. And I see that. I acknowledge it. I can wait. Just like here. I can wait, right? And that's a really great thing for his character. And why is his character so perfect? <sighs> so... We cut to the Summer's home. Joyce is putting logs on a fire and Buffy's saying, nothing like a roaring fire to keep away the blistering heat. And Joyce says, it's lovely, but maybe I should turn on the air conditioning. And I was like, Joyce, you're so high. (laughs) 
and like i hope let's put on more fire and put on the air conditioning at the same time uh so bobby is thinking but bobby's thinking about her sex dream no doubt in my mind she's thinking back to when she had sex with angel earlier so buffy's also feeling a little hot (laughs) buffy's like yeah maybe the air conditioning isn't such a bad idea and um and joyce says angel's on top again Oh my god, this show is getting away with quite a lot. <laughs> my, my. And Buffy's like, what? <laughs> she's holding up an angel and a star. And she's like, you know, angel on top or star on top. And Buffy's like, star, star. <laughs> so the doorbell rings and it's Faith. And Faith says that the whole party thing was going to be kind of a drag. And then she says, I didn't really have anything, you know. So Buffy just says, glad you came. And she invites Faith in, and Faith says she has gifts, and they're crappy. And Joyce comes to greet Faith at the door, and she's like, oh, how thoughtful of you. And Faith's like, they're crappy. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, Faith. Joyce is so high right now that she probably thinks you brought, like, lots of gifts. You should have just brought marijuana. Well, like. How do we know she didn't? Because honestly, like, the gifts are wrapped in newspaper. One of them is very long. That could have been a pipe or a very long joint, you know? So... <laughs> as Buffy says she's gonna go (laughs) so as Buffy says she's gonna go upstairs to get the gifts um, Joyce offers Faith she's like can I get you eggnog right and eggnog in a bag I assume is what she means oh that dog is spiked because Joyce is a cool that dog is filled with crushed up band candy I know it so (laughs) I want to have Chris's Eve at Joyce's house 100% Buffy goes to her room and angel is waiting there for her and he is agitated he it's like he's having some sort of bad trip like if you got high and you're like tweaking you know and he says buffy because <laughs> that's his favorite word and the world around him is all loopy and spinny so he says i had to see you i don't know you should be and he's staring at her neck and jenny is behind buffy And she's saying, she wants you to touch her. What are you waiting for? And Angel says, you have to stay away from me. And Buffy's like, you came to tell me, you came to see me to tell me I can't see you. Angel, something is doing this to you. You have to control it, okay? I know that you're confused. And Angel says, I think you're the one who's confused. (laughs) And gaslighting her. And Jenny says, you, she's, Jenny says she wants you to taste her. Think of the peace. You'll never have to see us again. So this is interesting because it's like, okay, so she wants you to taste her. She wants you to like, you know, have her. Buffy's not going to imply to have sex with him here. So I think you're right. Like I was thinking that like he had to have Mm -hmm. sex with her and then kill her. And then this would imply rape. But I think what you're saying makes a lot more sense. Just kill her, but with your soul. And that's really, really scary, right? Because we don't know what he's going to do. And Buffy says, Angel, how can I help you? And he just screams, leave me alone and jumps out the window. And he's been jumping out that window since 1997. Like, we know he's really good at it. He always goes face first. (laughs) Angel, jumping out windows since 1997. (laughs) We need that on a t-shirt. Can that be on his resume? Like, can you imagine Angel having to, like, apply for a job somewhere? Amazing. I see there's a gap on your resume between (laughs) the 1830s and 1999. What were you doing in that time? (laughs) uh you'd just be like yeah like sewer watch like lots of stuff on that resume i'm gonna create it and put it on instagram (laughs) so 
downstairs, Buffy's telling Faith to watch over her mom in case Angel comes back, and she'll explain everything later and leaves. Uh, she goes to Giles' house, and she's telling Giles, we have to do something soon. Now. Find me these priest guys. Find me something I can pummel. He's slipping. I think we're losing him. And Giles says, you realize that if he truly becomes a danger, you might have to kill him again. Can you do that? <sighs> Nothing's ever easy for Buffy, is it? So... Back at the mansion, Angel is saying, I can't do it. And Jenny is like, you have to. What else are you good for? Couldn't you just feel her? Couldn't you almost smell her skin? You never were a fighter, Angel. Let's not try now. Interesting. Interesting that she would say mm. that. Sooner or later, you will drink from her. And Angel says, I'll never hurt her. And Jenny says, you were born to hurt her. Haven't you learned nothing? Have you learned nothing? As long as you are alive. And then Angel says, then I'll die. And Jenny says, you don't have the strength to kill yourself. And Angel says, I don't need the strength. I just need the sunrise. And he walks out. And as he's leaving, Jenny's saying, you're not supposed to die. This isn't the plan. But as he's out of earshot, she says, but it'll do. Oh, so the first is chaotic evil. <laughs> first, it's like, oh, okay, my plan didn't work. But new plan. New plan. Here we go. I guess this is <laughs> that's, that's when you need to be a good villain, you know? And, and since... The first appears to have invented evil. They know to roll with the punches. And I like that Angel's going to go kiss Daylight, which is something that you said in The Wish was a really nice expression of the Masters. <laughs> a good way for vampires to die is to kiss Daylight. So Giles and Buffy are reading up on these priests in convenient books that are conveniently at Giles' house right there. And Giles is reading from the book that says, For they are the harbingers of death. Nothing shall grow above or below them. Bingo, bango, Buffy figures out where they are and we cut to the Christmas tree yard with the dead trees and Buffy gets an axe and breaks through the ground and jumps into a cave below. And I adore this confrontation. She breaks Buffy through the, the ground first. very, like, I know she has super strength, but it's ground. <laughs> uh, no ground can beat the Slayer, Kara. <laughs> No soil would dare. <laughs> I just wanted to register that. It's like, this episode takes a lot of shortcuts in certain places. It's like, we don't have time to watch her get a digger or, like, <laughs> an excavator. She needed to get down to that cave immediately. And when she gets down there, she sees the bringers who are all chanting around a shrine. And she says, okay, ten more minutes of chanting, and then you guys need to go to bed. <laughs> Buffy's so fucking funny. So... She beats him up. They run away. She breaks the shrine. That's when Jenny, a.k.a. the first, shows up and says, I'm impressed. And Buffy is shocked at first to see Jenny. And then she remembers that it's the first. And she says, you won't get Angel. Jenny says, you think you can fight me? I'm not a demon, little girl. I'm something that you can't even conceive. The first evil, beyond sin, beyond death. I'm the thing that darkness fears. You'll never see me, but I am everywhere. Every being, every thought, every drop of hate. And bless Buffy Summers, Buffy interrupts her yeah. and says, All right, I get it. You're evil. Do we have to chat about it all day? <laughs> I love that line as well. It's one of my other favorite lines of this episode because, you know, this this is the only thing you can do when you're in the face of unspeakable evil. You have to be sassy. You have it, to make it goes fun back of it. to like the master and like fruit punch mouth, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is Buffy's forte. Well, this is why actually it's this scene, and I remember it really well from my previous rewatches, but more importantly from when I first watched the show back when I was a teenager. This scene always stuck out to me because I think it's just 
if you're going to show somebody like what is Buffy Summers all about, this is a really great scene to show because she's facing what appears to be one of the oldest and fiercest evils in the entire world. And she's giving it sass, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. She's like, oh my God, I get it. You're chatty as fuck, right? Like, I love it. And <laughs> Jenny says, Angel will be dead by sunrise. Your Christmas will be his wake. And Buffy says, no. <laughs> okay, I just thought, wouldn't it be funny if Willow was there and she would have been like, I'm Jewish, like again. <laughs> we get it, Willow. We get it, all right? So, <laughs> um, I, I also really like that after killing Jenny off, they brought Rabia Lamort back for this appearance, right? Yeah. As, as fake Jenny. Because she's clearly having fun being evil. And, and I'm, I'm glad that they were able to do that for her. And she's doing a great job. Like, I think she's really threatening here. And Jenny says, you have no idea what you're dealing with. And again, Buffy says, let me guess, is it evil? <laughs> <laughs> these are fucking classic. I lo- these are some of my favorite lines from Buffy ever. Okay, okay, but Buffy, you have not really encountered evil yet. <laughs> yes, you've met the first evil, but you don't. you won't know evil until you try to cancel your cable subscription. I'm just saying. <laughs> Hopefully she'll never have to face such horrors. Um, But yeah, so Jenny morphs into this big ass demon and then disappears, trying to scare her. But Buffy's like, whatever. And then as it disappears, it does its best on Yonka impression. And it's like, dead by sunrise. (laughs) So Buffy, Buffy takes off. Buffy runs to the mansion, but Angel isn't there. And I don't know what this is because she either senses him, which I like to believe because they are connected. She senses him that he's outside, or she sees him, one of the two, and she runs up outside and there's a big hill that's overlooking. It's like actually a really beautiful lookout of the entire town of Sunnydale and Angel's standing there and she comes up behind him and she says, Angel, and he sees her and he turns around and then he goes back and looks out. He's looking out over the city and he's like, I bet half the kids down there are already awake, lying in their beds, sneaking downstairs, waiting for a day. He's getting really poetic in in this time. And here's where the melodrama really, really escalates. And here's where my tears began to pour. Uh, I watched this episode three times and this scene got me each time. I think it's really well done. So this is my question about vampire. This is my question about vampire physiology for this episode. Do antidepressants work on vampires? Great question. I don't know. Yeah, I would assume because alcohol because, and drugs so like, work on them. Yeah, exactly. So we know we know they must have neurochemistry happening in their brains in order for alcohol and drugs to work. So like that this right cuz like Angel is showing, you know, suicidal, depressive tendencies here. Not going to diagnose him, but I'm just thinking like it, it would be interesting to me, right, if we saw a vampire character who's just like on a, a prescription for something and, and they have to take pills each day and i'm like that would be an interesting portrayal of chronic illness from a vampire perspective yeah maybe we'll get an episode in the future where we get to see that see if that if that takes or what oh, wait, i just remembered there is an episode of the angel series that kind of addresses my question i don't want to go into more details those of you who've watched angel know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. but yeah that's inter- that's that's interesting to me. Um, these are the questions we think about. And I, this is what I love is thinking about these kinds of things in the series. Okay. Super serious mode. What's going on in this scene? Well, it's what you're saying, right? Angel's trying to kill himself. He wants to kiss daylight. He wants to die by sunrise. 
And this is really consistent with Angel's character as well. This show is so good at developing these characters and remembering what came before because Angel has always had a death wish in a lot of ways. And we've said this before where he kind of wishes he was dead because even when we find out he's an a- he's a vampire, <gasps> remember when we found out he was a vampire um, in season one, episode seven, Angel, he was trying to get Buffy to kill him back then. Right? Like, we know this guy is dealing with a lot of pain and a lot of guilt, and it sucks for Mm -hmm. him. And sometimes he just gets suicidal, and I don't know. Mm -hmm. Buffy's telling him, you need to get inside. There's only a few minutes left. And Angel says, I know. I can smell sunrise long before it comes. What does sunrise smell like to you, Kara? I'm never up that early to tell. (laughs) Sunrise smells like bacon to me. (laughs) The bacon from a local Denny's. So... Buffy says, you have to trust me, that thing, the thing that's haunting you. And Angel says, it wasn't haunting me. It was showing me what I am. And Buffy says, what you were. And Angel says, and ever shall be. I wanted to know why I was back and now I do. And I love what Buffy says here. Buffy says, some great evil takes credit for bringing you back and you buy it. You just give up. I I, I do like that. Yeah, Yeah, I like that skepticism, right? Because we only have the first evil's word that it brought angel back for all we know something else brought angel back and the first evil is just rocking up and taking credit for it so i I do like that and and also like evil lies lies like evil evil's a big old liar because good is dumb remember like we've said this before from spaceballs we don't know who brought angel back and at the end of this episode we still don't know but it doesn't mean that it's a first just because the first said so so Angel says, I can't do it again, Buffy. I can't become a killer. And Buffy says, then fight it. And Angel says, it's too hard. It told me to kill you. You were in the dream. You know that. It told me to lose my soul in you and become a monster again. And Buffy said, what does it matter? And here Angel gets so emotional and he like shouts at her. He's like, because I wanted to. I wanted you so badly. I want to take comfort in you and know it'll cost me my soul. And a part of me doesn't care. I'm weak. I've never been. I've never been anything else. It's not the demon in me that needs killing, Buffy. It's the man. <sighs> okay, so here, yeah, and this goes back to something you were saying earlier, back before we talked about like why is the first doing this. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Buffy and Angel would experience true happiness if they slept together again, because because it, it happened, and Angel didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now that he knows that he could potentially lose his soul by sleeping with Buffy. Don't you think that would kind of put a damper on the whole happiness part of it? Yeah, ruin the eternal happiness. Yeah. So he yes, could he could yeah, orgasm, yeah. but as, as we talked <laughs> right? about, that's yeah. not the magic ingredient. And it's like it's so it's almost like the awareness that he could achieve true happiness is going to stop him from achieving true happiness. It's very zen. Yes, I agree. It's a mindset. Your your curse is a mindset, Angel, and I want you to remember that. <laughs> Uh, but I love this line, right? It's not the demon he wants killed. It's the man because it's the man that's weak in him. It's the man in him that he feels is the the threat to Buffy, right? Mm-hmm. Buffy says, you're weak. Everybody is. Everybody fails. Maybe this evil did bring you back. But if it did, it's because it needs you. And that means you can hurt it. Angel, you have the power to do real good, to make amends. But if you die now, then I'll, all you ever were was a monster. And that's a really good line from Buffy, and it's so true, but it doesn't seem to shake Angel. So Buffy's begging him. She's like, please, the sun is coming up. And Angel says, just go. 
and she won't go. And Angel says, you think this is simple? You think there's an easy answer? You can never understand what I've done. So go. And Buffy says, you aren't staying here. I won't let you. And she goes to grab him and he like shouts at her. He said, I said, leave. And he pushes her hands away and she punches him in the face. So he throws her to the ground and then he sees her on the ground and he goes to her and he turns her over and he grabs her and he kind of like shakes her as he yells at her. And he's like, am I a thing worth saving? Am I a righteous man? Buffy is crying and he's saying the world wants me gone. And Buffy says, what about me? I love you so much. And I tried to make you go away. I killed you and it didn't help. Hmm. And she says, I hate it. I hate that. I hate it so bad. I hate that you could hurt me so much. And they're like, they're both crying now because this is so much. (laughs) And she says, I know everything you did because you did it to me. I wish that I wished you dead, but I don't and I can't. So Angel, Mm. then Angel pleads with Buffy and he says, Buffy, please, just this once, let me be strong. And Buffy says the crux of what is Angel's character in Angel's storyline, right? She says, strong is fighting. It's hard and it's painful and it's every day. It's what we have to do and we can do it together. So Buffy says, yeah, but if you're too much of a coward for that, then burn. If I can't convince you then that you belong in this world, then I don't know what can. But don't expect me to watch and don't expect me to mourn for you. And she stops. And why does she stop? Because a little snowflake has fallen past her face. And then they look up in surprise and it's snowing. It's snowing in Sunnydale. The sun is not coming up because there's snow and it's a christmas miracle it's a christmas miracle so and and like i don't want to damper it but i'm just gonna say it really right now just because it's snowing does not mean the sun doesn't come out for people who don't know what snow is like there i said it right but it could mean (laughs) that and so we do cut to a tv with the confident the confident meteorologist who just days before was telling us it was going to be warm all weekend and now he's like oh no it's gonna be cold brandy you look stupid um, you're fired <laughs> oh poor red he's got kids to feed yeah but we, okay can we talk a little bit about this conversation just a little bit i just feel like this is a lot it's a lot it's a lot i think it's so beautifully worded and i think you know like i said this this episode is kind of for me the true beginning of angel's journey of purpose like why am i here and how can i make things right because obviously the guilt and the first obviously ebbed it on but like he he's done some awful terrible things and how can he live with himself Mm -hmm. and he can't so he wants to kill himself and this is really really heavy and it, it takes buffy Buffy can't even convince him that like you're here for good. You can make amends. You can right mm-hmm. the wrongs that you've done or at least try. And every day you have to keep trying and fight through your depression and fight through your suicidal thoughts. It's worth it. Yeah, I, I would be interested in hearing from listeners who uh, who have like a background in mental health and counseling or listeners who maybe have more experience with these things. Like I personally haven't experienced you know, a friend or a close loved one going through this kind of trauma. And so for me, it was hard watching this scene, both because I'm like, I don't know how authentic this is, but also like, I don't know what I would do (laughs) if I were in Buffy's shoes. I love that she fought for him because even she says, right, like in all respects to what you've done to me, I should 
not care. I should wish you dead right now. Like, yeah, burn up. Mm. But she can't because she knows he's a good man. And I think that's really mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, like this is, it's it's so heavy. And I love that it starts to snow because what does this mean? First, we, we pan over Sunnydale and, you know, Oz and Willow, who are cuddling in bed, fully clothed, I'll add, they see the snow and Faith and Joyce come out to the porch and look at the snow and Giles looks out his window at the snow. And like you said earlier, Xander is sleeping outside and he's covered in the snow and he just goes back to sleep. But that's when we cut to Sunnydale's street and we see the <laughs> most cotton candy looking snow <laughs> um, <laughs> on the street and Angel and Buffy are walking hand in hand. They're taking in the scene and it's daytime and they're walking the streets and they look at each other and Angel doesn't have any of the answers to what he was looking for in this episode. Why is he here? Why was he brought brought back? More importantly, why was he freed? My question to you, and this is something I thought a lot about at the end of this episode, was, was this divine intervention, right? Was it a coincidence? Mm. Why did it snow at this you know, moment? Yeah, the existence of the divine is something that the series hasn't really tackled yet, right? Like, obviously, vampires recoil from crosses. Um, and it's not clear what for- enforces that rule. We haven't yet seen any indication that gods exist, uh, whether we're talking about the Christian, you know, Abrahamic god, whether we're talking about, you know, Greek gods. Um, we haven't seen any of that yet. So it's a good question. I, my answer is no, because I don't think they're that lucky. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's somebody watching over them. I know I've talked about Buffy having a, a guardian spirit that's kind of like making sure she's in the right place at the right time. But no, I, I don't think that's the case. I think it was going to snow either way. Uh, Angel getting to this point where he's possibly going to die by suicide and like it's a coincidence in that sense Mm. but i also think that the snow is happening because it provides the the episode with a way of emphasizing like you just said none of them has the answers right it's not that buffy convinced angel to stay it's that she talked to him long enough that she's found a reprieve for him I don't know if I don't know if any of that makes sense. I have very <laughs> no, no. I think that I, I don't really understand how to process this scene. I'm going to be honest. No, that's you. fine. I, the way I think what you're saying makes sense. Like coincidence is is a very good path to go on with what happened in the end of this episode. The way I see it is, you know, they alluded to the fact that the first says it brought you back. That doesn't mean it did it. And I like to think that if there's a higher purpose for Angel and he was brought back for good, as Buffy is saying, that same higher power that brought him back and freed him from his prison in hell also sent the snow to buy him more time in this life. Oh, so you think the good guys broke him out of hell. Okay. See, see, my default is always everything that happens is to create more suffering. <laughs> Sometimes good can happen too, Kara. It's like we said, nothing is resolved. Um, we don't know anything mm-hmm. at this point, but it is nice to end it because they're walking hand in hand down the street. It's a very Christmas-like miracle at the end. Um, give it to them. I'm going to give it to them and say, yeah, this was a good intervention. It was meant to be. Their destiny is to stay alive. So is the snow your hero? The hero of the episode is the snow. 
is the weatherman Randy for being so terribly wrong. <laughs> no, my hero of this episode uh, is both Buffy and Angel. Angel, because okay. as we're saying, there's a lot of heavy elements, a lot of heavy emotional themes happening with this character that perhaps you know someone more qualified can talk to us about later in a hot steak or send us an email um yeah i don't know i just that look of peace at the end of the episode when he's walking hand in hand with buffy he has another day to like think it through i guess good for him but you know what i mean like he didn't kill himself like he's alive he's here to fight another day Mm -hmm. and i think that's that's a hero to me right like living grieving guilt all that stuff like it's hard to live with and he's he's chosen to live and that's Mm -hmm. good for me that's good enough for me (laughs) uh my hero will be oz Uh, and not just because of how he turns down willow because again it's not about the cookies but i just think in this episode we see that consistency in his character we see him modeling you know healthy masculinity and i like that he is willing to engage with Willow. You know, Cordelia isn't willing to engage with Xander, and I'm not going to blame her for that because that's also a valid reaction. But this is difficult. It's difficult for Oz. It's difficult for Willow. I know this is an angel-centric episode, (laughs) and Oz has nothing to do with the main storyline, but I just got to give it to Oz because, uh, you know, he he really demonstrates, you know, what makes him such a good character. Yeah, I like that our heroes this episode are like, how did we feel like what who made us feel something in this episode and that's a beautiful thing you know what though this episode just made me so hungry for more angel stories like it's kind of unfair that this episode falls in a buffy series episode you know what i mean like <laughs> i'm hungry for yeah, there's more. a whole series out there staff i'm hungry for more angel story i want to know how he redeems himself so let's go to our hot steaks we have some hot steaks today right we do i want to start off with one that came in yesterday from uh Jacqueline, I believe her name is. Um, she messaged just really quickly about episode eight, Revelations, when Angel's reading from a book. You and I just said, oh, look, he's reading from a book. How handsome. But Jacqueline looked up the book and it's uh, the nausea. And the summary of this book is an exploration of human desire, loneliness, and addiction. It questions the purpose of companionship as well as the depths to which someone could go to attain it. So... Hmm. Thanks for that, Jacqueline. Uh, clearly, Angel is lonely and looking how to fix that for himself. <laughs> so our next hot stake is from number one Cordy Warrior on Twitter. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, and she says, I was wondering what you thought about how in the beginning of the episode, Revelations, Faith opens the door with a stake prepared to fight. But at the end, she just says, come in. Do you think it's more of a giving up thing or letting her guard down thing? And I, I like that you asked this question and we were able to talk about it in this episode because we see that same behavior in this episode, right? Buffy comes to visit Faith and it's actually nighttime, but Faith isn't at the door with a stake being like, it could be a vampire. She's fiddling with the TV and she's just like, yeah, walking in and her door's unlocked. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So what do you think, Steph? What's going on here with Faith's change in behavior? Um, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I forgot that happened. And it's funny, too, because, like, what was she doing before? Like, Faith, Hope, and Trick, when she was first terrified to be outside by herself, was a long time ago. So by the time we're in Revelations, mm-hmm. yeah, why is she so spooked? Other than to give a reason for Gwendolyn Post to make fun of her. <laughs> yeah, so so I think it's the giving up part. I think it's Faith's just realized that she can't be 
on alert all the time. And I think she needs to take time to process what she's gone through. And I think part of her is really just kind of having a, a difficult time working out all of the feelings she's having about, you know, letting down her original watcher, being betrayed by her new watcher, being betrayed by Buffy in a way. And Faith's going through a lot right now. And we haven't seen her side of things yet, but I hope that's something that the season continues to explore. I agree. Thanks, number one, Cordy Warrior. Our last hot stake is from Shanzi or Shanz. She wrote in about Beauty and the Beasts and says, in one of your episodes, I think it was, in one of your episodes, you talked about what the butcher or whomever Buffy got the animal blood in a bag from uh, for Angel must have been thinking about and how bizarre Buffy must have seemed to them. I think people messing around with the supernatural is common enough in Sunnydale, Sunnydale that the butcher is just used to random people from demons to high schoolers stopping by for a bag of blood. <laughs> There's plenty of bags of lots of stuff coming around in Sunnydale. It, it, it's a good point, right? Like we see the magic shop is there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe Sunnydale is just a little bit more attuned to the supernatural and... Yeah, maybe this butcher is just a little jaded and it's just like, I've seen it all. <laughs> I've seen it everything. I think it would be very smart to become a butcher in Sunnydale. If anything, that's like a lucrative mm. business opportunity right there. There's probably multiple butchers. Mm. Thanks, everybody, for those hot steaks. I'm so glad this was our, our holiday episode, right? I mean, we have more episodes yeah, coming out good. before actual holidays. Um our, our mm -hmm. Canadian holidays uh, this year, but it's nice that this one fell in December. That's a little treat for all you out there and for us. Absolutely. So we will have started promoting this on our social media by the time you hear this episode, but for anybody who's not active on our social media, uh, I've started a Prophecy Girls Discord server. You're welcome to join us. Uh, easiest way to get there is just go to prophecygirls.ca slash discord, and that will send you an invite into the server. Uh, and you can chat and uh, interact with our other listeners. And Kara's actually going to offer up a free tutorial class on how to use Discord <laughs> because I need it. <laughs> <laughs> so Stephanie might be there by the time you hear this. <laughs> um, yeah. And thank you to our lovely supporters on Buy Me A Coffee for making this podcast even better. And especially our chosen one producers, Lizzie, Emma, Hannah, and Tara. Happy holidays from Prophecy Girls. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.